A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Square Ball Podcast. Well, hello you. Welcome to the Matchball Podcast from us, the Square Ball. I'm Dan Moylan. With me, Michael Normanton. Hello. And Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. And the match ball supported by Levi Solicitors for 10% off your legal fees. Mention the square ball when you inquire. Go to levisolicitors.co.uk. Nice to have them on board. Thank you. And a nice day to celebrate as well. Um, we were top of the league for a little bit anyway. 1-0 victory. Yorkshire Perlo scores the winner. What a day. It's been a great day. Talk me through it from your point of view then, Michael. Um, it was nice. First half, I thought we were very good. Second half... It presents in a strange twist. Uh, we were much worse, but scored. So maybe that's the way we need to go this season. Be worse. That seems to be being too good has I think held us back so far this year. And I feel after the second half, I feel like pretty much a minimum one hundred years old. Personally, it's um, yeah, that free kick at the uh, the end <laughs> was unnecessary. I think it was, was a big handball shout as well. Yeah, and there was, and then it, there was the long throw afterwards, and you just see them winding up, and it's like this is too, too much. But we had that beautiful slapstick moment where Alioski tried some mad tricks. <laughs> I, uh, I wrote just before that. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna refer to my notes and let's see what I did write down for that. I think I wrote down Esjin Alioski, uh, the worst trick I have ever seen in my life. What was he? Do we know what he was trying to do? He was trying to, you know, um, I can't remember what the word for it is, but we can do a back heel flick around right. the player and go, but then I don't know what his next move is going to be. I think he he tried to kick it, that sort of thing, where you kick it with one foot onto your other leg kind of thing. So you kind of almost, yeah, like, he, it looks like a back heel, but you're kind of doing it to bounce it off your leg and go forward. Yeah, and he just, I mean... I mean, I'll say that, it could have been fucking anything. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. He, he had, was all in with the party mood, wasn't he? Strange game for Alejovsky. He was. I thought he was actually very good. He was one of our better players, but <laughs> that... And then he, he did also shoot over the bar from about four yards out. Yes, he did. Which was, and it, it looked like it went a long way over. Certainly, by the time it hit the cop, it was it was somewhere around row N. I think it was. No, at no point when he went through on that did you think he's going to put this in now? No. no, it was just the wrong side for him. It was like the the one in the um, the first half when Bamford went through, and because it was on his right foot. Um, I think I have more confidence in my right foot than Patrick Bamford has in his. Um, and instead of him just whacking it, it ended up with him back heeling it. And then there was the Costa had the shot. And then it came to Dallas. And you think Dallas is going to hit it. And he passes it to Harrison. You think, right, Harrison's going to turn and shoot. And instead, it's a one two back to Dallas. And it's another shot and it's blocked. It's just like somebody just leather the damn thing in the goal. It's all, and it would have been, yeah, if, if, if old Patrick just used his, his swinger and just thought, you know, 
I'll try this. But then, yeah, when Alioski's was going through, it just didn't look like it was a... I think that was... He needed to hit it with his wrong foot as well, and it was just... Yeah, I assume we're not going to score. Composure, not a strong point, really. (laughs) Well, in the car on the way here, I thought, what are we going to talk about? Because it followed quite a similar pattern to something we've seen across the last few weeks, this kind of growing sense of panic in the second half, losing control of the game, being 1-0 in front, but being terrified. Um, What do you make of it? We can talk about the first half, um, because I thought we were brilliant. And Bielsa said after the game, he thinks that's one of the the best halves and one of the best performances we've put on. because I was worried with all the the hundred year hype and everything that was going on, and all the because um, when they were bringing the legends out onto the pitch, and the whole crowd's going like Andy Cousins, hey! Um, and the atmosphere at the start was brilliant. wasn't it, it was, and all the but the players were doing their warm up while that's going on, and so it was all quite distracting. And there's the risk that whole thing of you have the fireworks and the photograph um, that they've got together with the the display, the hundred, yeah. and the, the they fireworks. missed off the pound sign off the front of that. <laughs> oh, the- Oh, come on. Hey, I'm only kidding. It's a day for celebration. And that and the photo that they've got, because uh, fireworks in the daytime, you can always be, hmm, is it going to look that good? And they've actually nailed that photo, really. I mean, they've set that up really well. And the worry is then that the actual game is just going to be rubbish and we'll lose. Well, but, that, well, that's my question, actually, that I've got scribbled down in front of me, is did we play the game and not the occasion? No. I think that we... Certainly in the first half, we thrived on the occasion. I think the the players started... There was There was parts in the first half where we were... Do you remember that, the famous clip at Wigan away last year when there were seven Leeds players stopping a counter-attack? There was stuff like that going on again and everybody looks not just really up for it, but then also really able to turn that into attacking football. I was making me notes um, through the match and I noticed I was, because um, I've tried to put the time down and I was writing every every minute on the 40 seconds in the first half. Yeah, I got, so... 10, 50, 12, 50, 14, 15, 50, 16, 50, 18, 30. That's all when Leeds were like attacking 19, 50. So once a minute, we're doing something in, in Birmingham's half that's dangerous. And they they didn't come near our goal in the first half. It was superb. Slacked off in the second half, but then um, that's why Enketia, uh should go back to Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> that moment you talk about in the first half where... Bamford, you thought Bamford has to score. Then he set up Costa, who you thought has to score. Went to Harrison, who has to score. And back to Went Dallas. to Dallas, who has to score. It was like the XG would have been about four just from that, like, ten seconds of, of the of the play. And we still didn't fucking score. <laughs> and it is bits like that where you do... I can see maybe even from the player's point of view, they just think we're never going to score. This isn't our day. And I think that translates itself to the crowd as well when, when you've seen such a number of glorious chances that's like as, that's as many chances as you're creating a whole game sometimes in a in a 10 second period I did I bumped into a, a couple of people on the way in um, and they were challenging me uh, of my 100 nil prediction and we agreed that possibly a 100 XG to nil would probably be more likely and we're only 1.67 in that game actually according to this app um, versus Birmingham's 0.9 so um, I guess the one with Harrison's backs to goal is not that easy and stuff but uh um, yeah, I think that's it. With the first half, we were really strong, but then um, it is true that when uh, Bamford went off, we got worse. Combined with Birmingham, I think Pep Clotet must have been playing um, the ace of spades at them, motorhead in the, the dressing room at halftime, because they came out looking a lot more... Well, they actually did something, because they did fuck all in the first half, so they came <laughs> out and actually had a kick of the ball. Um and uh, it took then, uh, and the, then, yeah, I, I think that same thing of like, we haven't scored, 
No, no. Well, yeah, you've said it a lot, haven't you? That if we if we score early, it settles the nerves. Yeah. Whereas we've not managed to do that. It's been far too tight for that, whether through you know luck or bad management or whatever you want to call it. We just haven't managed to do it. Everybody's on the same page. Players, fans, management. If we keep seeing us having chances and not scoring, and we get nervous, having a penalty in the forty seventh minute would have um, potentially helped us to get a hold on the game. When the referee, it seemed to me that he didn't know if it was actually a foul. You're about did. the Enketia one. Yeah. And he, he he looked in the box to me and I don't think he was entirely sure if it was a foul so he just gave a free kick on the edge of the box instead. It certainly ended in the box. I think that might have might the foul itself might have just just on fractions of it just outside. I don't want to hear this Dan. It doesn't fit into my uh, my narrative of <laughs> no. football league conspiracy. Penalty then. Penalty, yeah, definitely. Nailed, nailed on. Yeah. My theory was but because the referee had put it right on the line that he guessed. Like you don't yeah. because he doesn't know if it was that close on the line he couldn't say the, the foul definitively happened there so it just kind of, kind of gone I don't want to give a penalty for that but I, I have to give a free kick so because it looked quite it, it looked quite weak didn't it as a challenge it didn't look like a. it was maybe like 0.8 of a free kick are we talking <laughs> expected penalties <laughs> now expected fouls yeah something like do you know what I mean though it kind of it felt a little bit of a soft one mm. yeah there was a, a, a few rolls from Enketia he, he, he made no doubt that uh that that was something that happened. It was, um, but then Albert Nightingale, if we wanted to celebrate Leeds United centenary, he was famous, according to Jack Charlton, in the 1950s for being fouled on the halfway line and falling over in the penalty area to win a, a penalty for Leeds. So um, it was good to see Eddie Nketiah, who's obviously studied carefully all that stuff and uh, bringing it back. The referee had a bit of a strange game in the first half. Um, their number 34 called Sunjic he went down under an Alioski challenge and basically just laid on the pitch laid on the floor until the referee booked him mm. booked Alioski and then about a minute later he fouled Alioski and Alioski did the same trick he was like I'm going to lay down here until you book him yeah. and then as soon as he did he just got up it's like he, he was obviously just assessing potential damage before he was deciding if it was a yellow card or not I'll say that about it. it's Sunjic when he was lying down I looked at Birmingham's bench and their physio didn't even move there was not. There was no int- no expectation he was hurt from there. So yeah, well, I thought the referee was all right. Apart from he was that. all right. He was like getting things right, but then he did he play the game or the occasion? Yeah. I think he's just obviously easily conned. Um, talk to me about Enketia Bamford and that switch at half time. A lot of people have been crying out for Enketia to replace Bamford. They got their wish. Um, how do the two halves compare then? I mean, we, we were undeniably worse with him on the with Enketia on the pitch. Whether or not you can blame him for that. I don't know. I mean, the there, was, chances, there was a lot of lump in the ball towards him. Yeah, I mean, some of the chances Bamford had in the first half, I don't know, you would, would you have rather had Enketia there for them? There was one where um, he, he kind of shot across goal as well, which seemed, that was on his left foot, and that seemed like a half-reasonable chance. Mm. Um, and then the one, obviously, where he set up Costa instead. Would Enketia have done better there? I don't know, possibly. But It goes back to what you've said loads though, Moscow, that if we get our noses in front with Enketia on the pitch and then you can stick Bamford on late on to hold it up and do that work and run the lines, maybe try it the other way around. Bamford's been saying a lot himself about how he's, he's trying to be uh, more of a fighter this year. And um, and you can see that he uh, in the first 10 seconds he, he ran through and I think it might have been Sunjic again. Um, he kind of, pushed him on the back of the head as they were chasing a ball that neither of them was going to go and he's kind of he's letting the defenders know he's there um, which you know is very brave of him um, considering everything um, we've seen up to now where he he, he does just look like a, a softy um, so he's now putting himself about and I think that helps um, and Ketia is, is different he's trying to uh, looking for through balls and it's it, undeniable in the second half that the ball wasn't sticking um, in Birmingham's half 
What then changed that I thought was interesting was that when Tyler Roberts came on, we were then a lot better at that. And um, and I thought Tyler Roberts was really, really good. Not outstanding, but he was he was very good. Um, and I had a little thing to myself, was like, because we've been crying out for where's that Saez replacement creativity and why haven't we signed anybody to, to do that? And I was thinking, well, I suppose we did spend four and a half million on Tyler Roberts and here he is playing really well. And now um, he's sort of doing the job of keeping the ball in forward areas that Bamford was doing. Um, it does stick with him, doesn't it? It does stick. It does. And it's the right thing. So I think it's when uh, when Bamford's on, the ball sticks with him. And when Roberts is on, the ball sticks with him. And if the advantage of having Roberts there is he's then looking for through balls to Enketiah, who might score them, instead of Bamford, who probably won't. And that's the thing. Do we need it to stick early doors when we've got all that momentum, when we're creating all those chances in the first half? Is that when we need the poacher on, do you think, then, rather than the guy who makes it stick? We just need... I mean, it's... I almost take all the personalities out of it now because it's it's everybody. We need somebody who'll score. That's it. I don't care if it's Bamford now. I don't care if it's Enketia. I don't care if it's uh, Costa burying that chance after the back heel or, or Alioski when he's four yards in front of goal. Just somebody in the first 20 minutes of a match needs to score, we're, preferably um, twice. We're missing Pablo, aren't we, do you think, Michael? Yeah, of course we are. We're, we're, just, we're lacking central midfielders as well. I mean, at the end of the game, we... We basically had Phillips on, and he was our only—he was our only central midfielder. And it was—it was clear. I thought I thought that they were just walking through the middle of us. Mm. They weren't trying to work it wide anymore, and I thought that actually worked quite well. From they were just like Let's just go down the middle. Yeah, there's no da- one. There's no one there. Dallas went uh, wide for some reason, didn't he? Um, and yeah, well, I mean, it may be that. I mean, maybe I'm putting too much faith in Tyler Roberts, but maybe it is that while Pablo's injured, um, we need to use him instead of Click or. Um, or move Click back to where Dallas was playing um, and put Dallas to right back and drop Luke Ayling, but Luke Ayling was fine. But I think it is that that mix. I don't think we we gained particularly from Stuart Dallas being a central midfielder, and I think we might be surprised, pleasantly surprised, by how well Tyler Roberts could play um, behind a striker for us. It's classic Bielsa. He doesn't want to drop his favourites, does he? He doesn't want to change anything. He's clear. He, he, he likes this team. It was no surprise to anyone when team was just the same as the last time because that's what he does changed at half time now he did it did feel like early. it did feel like this was Nketi's chance because he's he has been getting coming on fairly late in games generally mm-hmm. this was this was a, a fair split of him and Bamford having a half each and I'm not sure do you think he took that chance I'm not sure he's done enough that Bielsa, Bielsa will change it Preston you wouldn't change it would you go Nketi or Bamford Bamford always scores at Preston so and I'm sure that's exactly what Bielsa is just like, oh, fuck it, big, legs, big lad always scores at Deepdale, loves it there. <laughs> scores Payne. more than John Parkin. Billy Payne's has scored there. Well, exactly, so it's set up for him, isn't it? A happy hunting ground for lead strikers. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, it's, it did feel that um, everybody's been crying for Enkatia to have his, have his chance, so he gets half the game. Bamford what? hasn't scored in the first half. So. All right, then, one thing we haven't addressed is, why do you think he got that half a game? What was it about? that change that you think Bielsa thought necessary. Hat trick for England and loads of people on his ass. You think he's do you think he's prepared to bow to that? Well I think he maybe saw the type of chances we were creating and the areas we were getting the ball in and thought someone like Nketiah will be able to take advantage of those. Unfortunately in the second half we didn't play in the same way. We weren't no. we weren't getting balls across the six yard box and, you know, flying around the, the edge of the area where people like him can can nip in and create a chance for that out of nowhere. 
It was instead, it was more it was more long balls over the top and things. This sort of fits with what Bielsa's been saying about it, where he's basically, I've got two really good strikers. I like them both. I want to use them both. And so, um, and he's, so he's trying to say they both earned the chances. Patrick Bamford hasn't done anything to deserve to be dropped in Bielsa's eyes, but he can't ignore the fact that Nketi is scoring hat-tricks in England under-21s and presumably doing good stuff in training. So, so what, so I think it's almost, it's fair enough. Start with the, with Bamford, same uh, lineup as last time, and then halfway through, just go right. You've had half. Not impressed, <laughs> Eddie. On you go. So it's and and letting them fight for it that way because the only way Eddie can can prove himself is to be on the pitch. So give him a half. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Right, talk to me about that goal then, because that was a nice moment, wasn't it? Calvin Phillips getting a goal. Yorkshire boy, 1-0. Jack Harrison, the assist machine, provided another. Always said uh, very many good things about his end product and his ability to lay on chances for others. Should we just defer to Marcelo Bielsa's comments about this, um, about Phillips scoring it? Sometimes God puts things in the right place and now he will stay forever in the history of the club with this goal, a clear act from God. You can't really describe it in more reverential terms than that, can you? We should also thank God for uh, making Lee Camp a shit goalkeeper because it went straight through him. He was having kind of one of those game of his lives up until that point, though, wasn't he, first yeah. half? I must admit, I was because I, I vaguely remember him playing against us and doing quite well on previous occasions. Then I saw him in the, the Sunderland Netflix documentary and he was absolutely awful for them. And I thought, oh, he must, he must be terrible now. But yeah, he did appear to be quite good again to begin with. They should have, uh, given it was the centenary occasion, they could have given David Stockdale the game, couldn't they? Put him in goal. I'm sure he would have got into the spirit of the uh, occasion. Is he still there? Yeah, he was on the bench for them. Earning 35 grand a week or whatever it is. Being fat. You'll have his wife on you on, you on Twitter. She does not like this kind of talk. Um, and he's a good Leeds fan. I'm sure he, he probably had the best day of his Birmingham career so far. But um, no, it was good. And it was good. It's good that we scored. Um, 
even though that kind of the game had taken a turn by that point and uh, we weren't, um, yeah, we weren't playing well. Uh, we got a goal at a, at a time when we just give us something to defend and something to then just panic about for the rest of the match. What other positives could we take from that match then? What was good in, in what was a nervous, a fairly nervy occasion in the end? Um, I thought Berardi at the back, considering they had Djokovic playing, who's a big target man of a sort of, of a striker, that looked on paper like they'd be causing us problems, particularly when they, I think it was about 20 minutes in, they got a first throw in and you could see they obviously had plans for that and everyone was moving forward. They like, obviously were going to work on the long throw and it didn't actually cause much chaos, did it? And he didn't get sent off either, Berardi. No. Nope. So he's done, uh, he's done well. Ben White continues to just be a class act. Sick of it now. He made one really good block as well. <laughs> I, can't uh, be, I can't be having to play that good. I've decided I'm against it. Yeah, in, in a very un-Ben White type challenge actually, he threw himself at something in the box and, and made a last ditch block, which was very important because that looked like it was probably going to go in. Had he not, um, I think he did get his chest on it or something in the end. I can't quite work it out. Just his whole beautiful body. Sculpted torso. Yeah. What else was that? Tyler Roberts has said I was I was optimistic. He made me feel uh yeah, reasonably good when he came on. I was like, Oh no, we aren't just gonna um defend for this entire half. We brought on a player who can who can attack. And um on the first half again I think we we did uh, we there weren't there weren't many signs of nerves actually in the first half. I think it was only when we realised that Birmingham were in a game and we didn't have Bamford up top anymore that it, it started to get a bit dicey. Did we learn anything from today or did it just confirm what we already knew? It's more of the same. Yeah, it's really. exactly the same. It's always the same. Is it going to be like this for the rest of the season or do you think we're capable of changing it? We just need to start scoring in first halves. Mm. That's been the issue in it. Most games when we've... I've admitted Millwall was a bit of a strange one because we had, a, we had the red card so early on. But in like the Forest game and the Swansea game, early goals, like when just scoring, putting away the chances you're creating in the first half is is what it all hinges on. We should have been going in probably two up today. Likewise, Swansea game, we should have been a couple of goals up. And then at which point you can be like, right, just let Ben White do his thing. Even if they manage to get a bit of a jammy goal from a corner or just breaks to someone in the score one, it doesn't really matter. Whereas we've not been scoring and then those goals become disastrous. We've got two players that everybody from their previous club says, Bamford and Helder Costa, who I thought was pretty dire today. No, no dire's a bit strong, um, quiet. Um <laughs> Yeah, he he had some moments, but yeah, so so he raised himself above Dyer. Um, I didn't think Costa was very good, but him and Bamford, historically, um, fans have seen them previously say, to get on a good run, they fly. Like So we're kind of waiting for that from Bamford and have been um, for a while, I mean, just this season really, although he started off with a few goals, didn't he? You just have that feeling that if Bamford starts scoring, he'll score... 10 games in a row and it'll he, be great he's and if, almost, Costa gets, if Costa gets into gear if, if Fernandes is still out he might get the, the swing of it today's his third start for us it's not many is it no exactly so we're mm. and things that there have been we say that like so Bielsa doesn't like to change the team but there have been these changes where Luke Ayling has come back so Dallas who was brilliant at right back is not at right back now and that's happened because for sure who started the season really well like our midfield at the start of the season looked brilliant with uh, Forshaw and Click and uh, Phillips together. And Pablo. Well, yeah, Pablo starting on the wing and coming in. That looked that everything about that was working uh, brilliantly. And then now Forshaw and Pablo are both out injured. Um, 
and that and so that means Dallas has had to move and then Cooper's out. So there have been these things that are kind of um we're not at full strength and um I think that maybe is uh making a difference. And Tyler Roberts is a player that Bielsa obviously highly rates. I was impressed with him today and he's somebody who's not been available all season until now. He's still sort of coming back from injury and getting substitute appearances. So there's all these these sort of bits that have kind of changed from the perfection that Bielsa wanted to start with and that we're dealing with. Do we know if Tyler Roberts is happy with not being a striker anymore? Because he was definitely a striker when we signed him. And now he's not even used in that position at all, is he? I haven't had the chance to ask him. <laughs> I don't know, it just seems strange that we've we've converted him. And, and I think strikers, by their nature, tend to be kind of, well, they want to score goals and being pushed further back the pitch. In the fairness, know. he's in the hands of Bielsa who does this. He moulds players into mm-hmm. different things, doesn't he? What I was going to ask before Moscow, sorry when I talked over you, was um, do you think Bamford may be he's sort of carrying the the burden of the team on his shoulders somewhere. It's not just him. It's kind of symptomatic of the the wider problem, which because we've lost all those players and we don't we don't feel dangerous. That's what we don't mm. feel. We get lots of possession and lots of chances, but we feel like we lack danger or something like toothless. I think that's uh, what I was referring to before. And if we go back to that, that chance in the first half when, okay, so Bamford's not had the shot, but then you had... Costa, Harrison, and Dallas all had chances to score, and they didn't either. So they're all fucking culpable. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's, all, it's gone beyond the point now where you can pick out, single out Bamford, and say that the useless twice in scoring of goals. And um, but he's the sort of the one that you hope. I was saying that if he does score one, he might go on and and start scoring a bunch. And you kind of same with Enketia. Maybe he'll get into a run of form if he plays instead of him. But it, it just it needs somebody to just give the rest of them that confidence by just sticking the ball. In the in the back of the net, and it's um, and then that and that that's actually the primary argument for Inketia because he's not carrying the weight of that, and he's because he's confident. He's got that striker cockiness which we like to see in strikers. I tell you, I think he was a bit too cocky today. You haven't told me that, but go ahead. <laughs> Shall I? Um, when he came on as sub, he spent like he was doing kind of a, a warm up for the fans that just like. Before uh, before he actually came on the pitch because he he clocked at the West End weather were cheering him so he's kind of like doing his, his thing there and then. Um, do you remember towards the end of the game um, he had the ball right down in front of the bench and he did, instead of trying to do a simple pass he tried to do a little flick mm. and it, it came off it was better than Alioski but then he, he passed to um, Dallas or Harrison I think and, and Click was involved and it ended up being a fuck up and Birmingham had a chance and it was all because he kind of he tried he put his foot on the ball and decided he was going to be a little bit cocky with the defender instead of just playing the pass and I think there's a there's a some of that um, confidence could almost be done with being like reduced. So yeah, so Bamford isn't no. Bamford isn't confident enough. No, I don't agree. And, and Ketir is too confident. Yeah, no, I, I disagree with that. I think he and Bielsa has said it before. He likes players taking risks, doesn't he? And I, I like that. And if that's if that's the worst of his ills, that he's a bit too cocky and overcooks mm. it sometimes, then I'm all for it. It's worth I, commenting. On. I just want to see somebody go in there with with big balls. I mean, Bamford mm. apparently he says he's got big balls. And he's very very confident, believes in his own ability. But Enketi is cocky, and and I, can't, I like that in a striker. I like it in the penalty area. I'm just not sure about it on our halfway line. I think that's the thing. A risk is good if you're taking a risk uh, for the purpose of creating a chance or something, but uh, just doing it to kind of um, mock a defender when you're only 1-0 up, it's just a little bit. I think he he could just... He's got the crowd behind him and all that, and I think it's, he's he's like an inverse of Bamford. It's like, I'm not criticising him particularly for it. It's just an, an observation that... You could almost put, and this is the dream, we need to 
get Rob Price on the case. <laughs> Can he give put Enketia's personality into Bamford's body and maybe his finish and just like mold these two strikers together and we'll we'll play Patedi and Ket Bamford <laughs> and Ketford and uh, and it'll be absolutely fine. But and but it's the perfections you were imperfections you get. You never get the, the perfect players. There's always always things about them that are never quite there. A quick word about the occasion today then, because um, I think the game itself needs that little bit of wider context. It was nice, wasn't it? Very nice. All the players on the pitch and stuff. I'm a bit of a sucker for that sort of thing. I do sort of get a bit dewy-eyed about the whole thing. Seeing They've seen the mixture of players as well. Absolutely. Like seeing... Shut down emotionally in day-to-day life. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, apart from when you get inside Ellen it's, Road and you see Norman Hunter and Eddie Gray. And... It's only Jermaine Beckford and Howard Wilkinson having a chat that can make me cry. Walking off the pitch with their arms around each other and you just think, wow. <laughs> like, that's... It does get to the heart of what, what it is that we feel as fans. We can't put a, words to describe it. We can't put a proper label on it, but it's just that thing, isn't it? It's the essence of being Leeds. It was just so nice to see the one. Um, seeing uh, there was Brian Dean, Rod Wallace and Chris Fairclough all waving up. At, and I was trying to think what they were doing. I think they were taunting Noel Whelan because he was on the country. <laughs> <laughs> They're all giving him a big wave. And I think uh, Rod Wallace was trying to, to get him to phone him. He's like, Maybe it was like kind of a wave, like, wish you could have been down here, but I think they might also have been like, ah Um But yeah, that, that mixture and going across all the all the generations of uh, of players who were there and see Peter Haddock, like, it's great that he was there because unsung and uh, Brendan Ormsby being out there as well. Um, so the players that they uh, they got there for for this was a, a real good mixture. And I think it was a nice way to rebalance what has felt up to this point quite an exclusive celebration for the centenary in terms of everything's cost a lot of money, whereas today was a fan's experience. I think they, they've done well to rebalance. So I think what had become, to some extent, a negative perception, I certainly felt excluded prior to today. Yeah, I think we're going to talk about it more on the proper pod on Tuesday, but it was kind of the, um, when you take a step back and look at how it was worked out, it was always kind of... Um, Thursday was the the VIP night, and then last night, Friday night, the the pavilion was the the fifty pound ticket one, which sounded like a bit more of a laugh, a bit more of a piss up. Um, and then today was the one for free, wherever. So um, I didn't see it, but the stage that they had on the low field, apparently Beckford was out there, and I think they had some of the other players just on the stage. And it's basically if you got a ticket for the match, you you get to see all the stuff that's kind of been other people have had on the days up to now, and it's it's the obvious day to do it on the day when because. You, there was it's the best attendance of the season so far um, and when what's the easiest way of getting the most Leeds fans to see this is you do it at a game bring them all out onto the pitch and it was impressive actually I was a bit worried because they said get people in the seats by half past two and I think that's quite often a challenge but Elendro looked pretty much full from from the gantry so all those players got a full stadium everybody got to see the players in the end and uh um, and I even saw somebody with um, a boxed shirt that they'd bought. So um, presumably for, for less than it's being charged by <laughs> scalpers on eBay. So somebody's somebody's happily bought that thing as well. So um, And the other touch, like the pre-match, um, we mentioned the, the fireworks, but just the, the touch where they had the names on the back of the, the jackets and, the, and the, they've recreated a little bit of, they've got them to line up and wave. To recreate the seventy-four photos, so I think some of the things they've they've done today that you uh, you do get for well for a match ticket, and then you can look at it on Twitter afterwards. Was uh, um, yeah, it was like, and even and down to um, the glitter cannons on the front the the roof of the West Stand that thankfully 
nobody, Michael said in the cars were coming in, nobody had to make that that long walk back up there after the three 0 defeat and just go like, just put these away, shall we? <laughs> yeah, guess we won't need these. And I did see some kids uh, like outside the ground running around. They, they got fistfuls of those blue and gold streamers and like, oh, and that's yeah. So um, and the kids, the time capsule competition. We'll talk about that this week as as well, but. Um, the kids who got to put a brick in the, the tunnel for the next hundred years. So lots of little um, nice details that, that deserve to maybe cut through um, more than uh, I think the club have communicated themselves. Can I confess I did slightly snigger when they talked about inserting a time capsule into the players' tunnel? <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Um, quick words on heroes and villains then. Should be quite a short one, I imagine. Heroes? Calvin. Yeah, I mean, as Marcel Bielsa says, he was sent. He was sent from God today to no, do that. No higher accolade. We've had dabblings with God before on this podcast. So yeah. And uh, as for villains, the Birmingham City fans been punching our stewards. Just been just watched a clip on uh, Twitter of that happening. Somebody so. remarked that they'd punched a female steward as well. And I know we're, we're in an age of equality, but we don't <laughs> want to be seeing uh, stewards punched of any gender. No, it was a bit, a bit unnecessary. Yeah, we'd both left the stadium by the time that um, was kicking off, but. Uh, um, yeah, fuck Birmingham City. Trying to spoil our party. On the pitch, though, no real villains today. No. No one stood out as being a particular dickhead. Ref was kind of all right. Yeah. Do we want to have a go at Pep Clotet for making a match of it? or <laughs> He had the decency to lose. Yeah. Even, no, even he's done all right. Yeah, Pep's, Pep's a good guy, isn't he? So um, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't Gary Monk. Should we nominate Gary Monk? He can be a villain as well. Yeah. He probably goaded all those... Uh, actually, no, it sounds almost sinister <laughs> to say he's the he's the Peaky Blinders uh, boss behind the Birmingham City trouble. Um, well, well, we'll dive into all this properly in the proper podcast when we record on Tuesday. So thanks for listening to this um, edition of The Matchball. Thank you to Levi Solicitors as well for getting behind us on this. We'll speak to you later in the week. The Square Ball Podcast. 